Hey everyone, it's your host, Dubs Weinblatt. I wanted to take this week to revisit one of my favorite episodes that you might have missed. Back in January, we had our season two launch party where I actually had the opportunity to interview our guest live in front of an audience, and my gosh, was that a thrill. And our guest was the one and only Shakina, and we are so excited for her because her new show called Connecting premieres tonight on NBC at 8 p.m. Eastern. Shakina, we are so thrilled for you. We are so honored that you were our first guest for season two. We hope you all enjoy. Please welcome the writer, performer, and producer of the Thank You For Coming Out theme, Jody Shelton. Thank you for coming out. Now, please, put your hands together for the host of Thank You for Coming Out, Doves Weinblatt. Thank you for coming out. My name is Dubs Weinblatt. My pronouns are they, them, theirs. And I'm so excited to be here. I feel like I'm doing a TED Talk and I should have a clicker, but I'm not doing either of those things. Um, in 2015, I founded the queer improv show, Thank You for Coming Out, or TIFCO as we call it. Yes. And, uh, and it is now one of the longest-running queer improv shows in New York City. So, uh, yeah. Uh, we have a storyteller come and share their coming-out stories, uh, and then our improvisers bring it to life. The podcast is a little different. Uh, we have our storytellers come and share their stories, and then we have a conversation about it. Tonight, you are at the Season 2 launch party of the Thank You For Coming Out podcast. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. It's wild because I can't see any of you. Um, so never mind. Um, so, um, okay. So, yes. So, um, if you would have told 15 year old dubs that in 20 years, don't do the math, that they would be standing on a stage in the Lower East Side, thanks Brad, um, hosting a show of, of a podcast that they created based on a live show that they created about queer people and was an out trans person, uh, Dubs would have said, first of all, what is Dubs? And then they would have said, I don't believe you. I can't even imagine that that's a thing. I um, was a closeted queer person until I was 20 years old. I was so scared to share that part of me with anyone for fear of losing everything. And then I finally, when at 20 years old, I came out to my best friend Dolce um, on a post-it. Um, and she, yeah, she's not here, but her sister is. Hi, Beth. Um, same, same. And, um, and then 20, not 20 years, well, I'm not that old. Uh, nine years later, when I was 29 years old, um, I actually was attending um, a lipstick lesbian awareness party um, in the Lower East Side, so where we are here. Um, and I was attending as an ally, I never identified as a lipstick lesbian. But when I walked into the space, I really felt a disconnect, and I was like, I, don't, I am not meant to be here. And it kind of all hit me at once in this aha moment of, I'm not a woman. Holy shit, what does that even mean? And I was like, I turned to Dolce, and I was like, I don't connect with my name. And I had a messenger bag, and I was like, something, these beasts of burden need to go. And I was like, oh, my God. So 
I decided because I had kept being gay so close for so long and told no one that when I figured this part out about me, I was going to tell everybody. Um, so, yeah. So I, like, made appointments with people. Um, but I still was kind of, like, anxious to tell folks um, because LG, people kind of understand LGB and the T, the trans, um, this was six years ago, we weren't talking about it as much. So it wasn't as common for folks, especially genderqueer, non-binary identities. I remember a particular conversation um, that I had with my brother, and I don't know if we ever have talked about it, but it's something that I think about often, um, and he's here, so just uh, FYI. Um, and I also, when I, as I was practicing this in the shower earlier, I started crying, so I have tissues just in case. But um, I remember feeling really anxious to talk to you about this, um, not because I thought you would react in any particular way, it just was nerve-wracking. And I remember saying, just feeling, uh, just saying, I'm scared to be an out trans person in the world right now. It feels so dangerous to, to do that. And I remember you said to me something along the lines of, yeah, it's probably dangerous living your truth, but it's more dangerous keeping it inside. Yeah. Scotty. Sorry I didn't cry, but trust me, I did earlier. Um, <laughs> uh, and so... I feel so lucky that when I came out, my family supported me. My mom has flown in. Uh, she's also here. And my sister-in-law. Hello, family. Um, so uh, the surgeries that I had um, to affirm who I am, um, my family was there with me. And I could have asked friends, but I wanted my family to be there. And I feel so lucky um, that my family embraces me and celebrates me. Not everyone's so lucky. Um, of all of the homeless youth, uh, youth experiencing homelessness in the country, 40% identify as LGBTQ uh, because families kick them out of their homes simply for living their truths. Um, and that just breaks my heart. There's an organization in New York City that um, works with LGBTQ youth exper experiencing homelessness. They are new alternatives. Um, they are an incredible organization that supports anyone who walks through their door with no barriers. What does that mean? You don't have to have a valid ID. Um, you can be a sex worker. You can be on drugs. Um, it doesn't matter. They want to support those folks. Um, and not every um, organization in New York is like that. Um, they are here tonight. Um, every single one of you supported them by buying a ticket. A portion of the, pro uh, portion of the ticket proceeds are going to them. If you buy any Thank You For Coming Out swag, a portion is going to go to them. So please um, su uh, support this incredible, incredible um, organization. Um, I think that was less than 10 minutes. I hope so. Um, I want to keep the show moving. Um, I would love to bring out our, um, first of all, let's give more love to new alternatives. I'm sorry. They're just... Oh, also, uh, feel free to get drinks as the show is happening. Feel free to use the restroom. Uh, feel free to buy swag. Um, you are not beholden to your seats. I don't even know if that's how you say that. Anyways, um, so we have um, incredible musical guests here tonight, all of which were uh, guests in season one of the podcast. And we also have an incredible guest here uh, that I'm going to interview for our first episode of the season of season two. Uh, so, but first, um, without further ado, I please show some love to Jay Malski. <laughs> Oh my gosh, keep it going for dubs, everybody. Um, thank you, it's so nice. Um, how many queer people we have out there tonight? 
It's nice. Um, what Dubs has done is create a safe space for performers. And um, I had a whole thing I was going to say backstage, and that's what I got out. <laughs> uh, you know, like as a as a performer uh, doing comedy in um, New York, it's you know mostly cool, mostly fun. But every once in a while, you are in a situation and you're like, ooh. This feels icky, mostly because everyone here is straight and cis. Um, and thank you for coming out is always a safe space for uh, queer performers. And so just give it up one more time for that and for Dubs. Thank you for creating this. Um, <clears throat> my name is Jay Mowski, and uh, I'm going to do a little comedy for you. Would you like to hear some comedy? Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, by round of applause, how many people here are um, uh, single? For my single people out Cool, me too, me too. Uh, by round of applause, how, where are my coupled up people? Anybody in a relationship? Good. Me too, me too. <laughs> not, not really. Um, I'm single. I love being single. Do you, my single friends, do you like being single? I love, my, I love my independence. I love, you know, going to bed with a pizza. Waking up next to the rest of the pizza. Those are things I like. Um... You know, but sometimes it does get lonely, right? You know, because you can't, you know, you, ha you have sexual needs and you can't always have sex on demand, right? And then I remember I'm gay, so yes, I can. <laughs> anyway, that's what this next song is about. <laughs> I just don't want to be alone right now. None of my steady grinds are home. They're out of town, open up scruff, just seeing who's around. Mama's in desperate need of a good dig down. Oh, okay, that happened fast. He can host and he's DDF. Confirmed I'm down to smash. So I text my BFF. If I die tonight, 1720. If you think I'm not alive If I die Tonight He says it's nine inches And his name is Blue There's a pretty good chance That none of that's true I'm probably cut up In a million little pieces After Blue Choked me with a hundred Reese's Pieces Okay, that part I enjoyed But now I'm kind of our lives for sex also what a burden we put on our friends great now i can't sleep it's fucking 2am just then my bestie slides into my dms if i die tonight I'm not ashamed of my king It's probably all above board 
just my paranoia. But if it's another Jonestown or that sex called Rosh Porum, I can scent it on Fet Life, but not to mass suicide. If I die. Like just last week I was in D.C. With no one around I had to send this tweet If I die tonight 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue Yes, you heard that right There's no need to be confused If I die tonight I hit fucked the president and we got caught. Melania walked in and she's stronger than I thought. She threw things at her husband and honestly I loved it. Secret Service didn't stop them cause it kind of solves a problem. I can't say more than this cause they're probably listening. Have a die tonight. Here I die. Here I die. If I die. Here I die. If I die. Thank you all so much. Jody Shelton produced that track, so keep it going for Jody. Keep it up one more time for Dubs. Thank you all so much. My name is Jay Malfi. Oh my God. What a dream. Am I muted? I mean, can you hear me? Cool. Um, one more time for Jay. I didn't plan anything to talk about during this little uh, transition here, pun intended. Ooh, okay, great. Um, <laughs> This is, I've never, I've never done it live before, done this live before, so we're all in this together. We'll say the Shekhianu later. Um, oh, I hope the internet's going to work. I don't know. Um, so by a, by a, some kind of indicator, who's heard the podcast before? Oh, okay. Cool. All right. That's neat. Um, so, Okay. Uh, this, does this so look like funny? Does this look funny? Okay. Um, okay. We're all in this together. Uh, I am so, so, so excited about um, our special guest that we have here today. Um, you may recognize her from Difficult People um, or the Transparent Musical Finale. Yes. Uh, please show some love for Shakina. did it backstage we'll do it again yes hey y'all hey. hey live podcast yeah live podcast we're so doing fun. this um 
So we all have multiple coming out stories, and I would love, we would love, uh, to hear one of yours. Sure. I was thinking a lot about um, which coming out story to tell. I think as trans people especially, I think there's like so many, because a lot of us, at least in my experience, had to do like the gay round first and then the trans round. <laughs> um, but I was also thinking like so many coming out stories are like laden with trauma, and I, would, I wanted to share something that was more triumphant. Um, so yeah, right, because we should triumph. So, uh, so I want to take you back in time um, to the turn of the century, um, 2001 to be exact. <laughs> so we were fresh. Um, and I was in college at UC Santa Cruz, which if you don't know about UC Santa Cruz, the University of California, Santa Cruz, um, the mascot is the banana slugs. That's right. Thank you. Wait, I'm sorry. Yeah. The banana slugs? Banana slugs. Made famous by Pulp Fiction because John Travolta was wearing like a banana slugs shirt. What's and a, okay, I'm sorry. A banana slug is a, a yellow note. slug that's like yay big. Um, okay. And that is like six to nine inches depending on who's listening and who's watching. Um, <laughs> and... Um, and they're mildly hallucinogenic if you lick them, but I never did that. And, uh, and at Santa Cruz, actually, the, like, they sell these shirts still to this day, which I love, that shows, it shows a slug lounging beneath a tree reading Toni Morrison, and it says, The Fighting Banana Slugs, which I just think is amazing. Um, so I was, I was there, and I had, I had sort of cultivated a little bit of, like, celebrity persona on the campus um, through doing a lot of drag performance, but I really, um, I, I went by the name in drag as Latex Superstar, and I was doing, uh, like, safe sex performance education. So I would, like, go around to, like, local high schools and teach kids how to put condoms on bananas with their mouths, which <laughs> I'm sure the parents loved, you know. Um, what you learned at school today, honey? So, uh, but, um, but I was really involved in that scene, and I was doing a lot of performing, and, um, and, and, uh, then I, I was sort of feeling like um, the more I would do this performance, I would felt my personality kind of like bifurcating. Like there was like the me that was going to school in class and there was the me that was a latex superstar. And actually, if you were like call my voicemail at the time, because I was a very pretentious 20-year-old, <laughs> you could like press one for my dead name and press two for latex and like leave different messages. Because I was trying to like figure out my professional life and my brand identity, which is so important. Um, but, uh, but then I was in this class called Men and Feminisms um, that was taught by Scott Morganson, who I don't know where he is to this day, but I'm very grateful for that class. Um, it was a really radical class at the time to be taught on a college campus. And, um, and I was also going to be giving a speech at the commencement um, at my school. And I was sort of thinking about like what I wanted to talk about. And I... Um, I was thinking about, like, when I was a little kid, I used to go to Jewish camp for a few summers, and um, we learned this, like, song about Shekhinah, which is, like, the um, indwelling feminine presence of the divine spirit. It's sort of like what you'd call, like, the feminine side of God. And I was like, I want to talk about Shekhinah, because I feel like Santa Cruz is this, like, redwood forest on the coast. It's really magical with these hallucinogenic banana slugs. And <laughs> I... Uh, so I was doing some research, and you might know that, like, everything in Hebrew has, like, 16,000 ways to be spelled in English. And so I was, like, going down. I was researching um, uh, Shekhinah and, um, on an iMac that was, like, this big, if you remember those, if any of you were alive for that. And, uh, and then I saw, like, all the different spellings, and I was like, well, that looks more like Shekhinah than Shekhinah. And I kid you not, the moment I said Shekhinah out loud, I was like, <gasps> that's my name. 
and uh, yeah, and so, um, and I was uh, working at the time at, a, at the health center. I was doing this HIV prevention education, and I called my mentor, and I was like kind of shaking, and I was like, uh, I think I need to change my name to Shakina and transition. And she was like, have you ever been to a sweat lodge? And so, <laughs> and so, uh, and so I went to this like Lakota ceremony, um, at the sweat lodge, like t- feeling totally out of place and confused. And I um, mean, it was really beautiful. And then afterwards, one of the women who was running the lodge was like, I also do hand analysis. Can I read your palms? And I was like, fuck yeah. And so she, um, she like covered my hands with ink and I laid them down on paper to make these handprints. And when I pulled them up, there was this image right in the middle of my palm that um, where the ink didn't take, and it looked like this beautiful woman dancing to the moon, and I was like, that's my spirit. That's, that's Shekinah, and that's that tattoo right there. Yeah, and so, um, and so after that whole process, and I was like so confirmed in that, I was in my men and feminisms class, and at the beginning of every class session, um, they, w- there would be a time for like announcements, you know, for like what was going on at the student club or whatever. And I just like raised my hand and I stood up and I was like, everyone, I'm changing my name to Shakina and I'm using female pronouns. And they were like, rock on. And you know, this was not a thing that really happened a lot in 2001. If you go back in your memories that far, if you have memories that go back that far, um, it was sort of like a ground shifting thing. And, um, from that point in the class, I, you know, it went on and I told more people, my family and things. Um, it took a long time before I decided to undertake a medical transition, but that was really when I first started stepping into my feminist and feminine sense of self and sense of spirituality. And, um, just to like add a little tag to that, uh, um, after I had like finished school, I was still living in Santa Cruz and, um, I was driving a white pickup truck cause I thought it was like cute and butch and, um, and it broke down of course. And I didn't know what to do cause I'm not actually butch. So I couldn't <laughs> fix it. And so, um, so I called a tow truck and if you're like, um, you know, any kind of gender minority, you might know that like when situations come where you're like expecting sort of like a gruff cis dude to like share space with you is a little intimidating. You're kind of like afraid. And, um, so this guy like pulled up and, um, and I had to like get my car to my truck towed and I was like nervous and trying not to talk too much, sort of like sitting there. And I got in like the passenger side of the the car seat and was just like, if I don't talk, I'll be fine. You know, no, he won't know anything. And then we were like driving in silence for a little minute and he was like, so, uh, I was in Scott Morganson's men in feminisms class. Right? It was so amazing. This tow truck driver. And, and so then we talked about Audre Lorde for like a half hour on the way to getting my car. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing. Yeah. I, I have wrote a lot of notes, but I want to, mm-hmm. I can't get over banana slugs. So I'm. Yeah, start there. Um, I went to a college where uh, our mascot was a poisonous nut. I know some of those. <laughs> yeah. Oh, H. I O, yes. Uh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Annoying Ohio pride. Um, I want to. I, I want to talk about um, you, your performance and how you said like bi, like bifurcating. I don't know is that the right word. Bifurcating. Bifurcating. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, personalities. Yeah. I want to talk more about that because mm-hmm. I know for me, like um, doing improv, really gave me a, like a safe space to explore different 
parts of my identity in, the, in a way where it was literally yes and it and no one was judging me. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious if in just, I want to hear just more about what that was feeling like and thoughts that you were having. Um, yeah. And as you started like figuring those things out. Yeah. So, you know, my quest has always been one of integration, like figuring out how to bring all the disparate parts of myself into like something that makes some sort of sense. And um, and I grew up in a place where I wasn't really able to express myself. So when I got to college, I like came out swinging. And I had already, I mean, I was like really radical in, like, at the high school age. I was um, like a queer youth um, organizer um, back when the queer youth movement was beginning. And um, so I had like so much anger and rage. And, um, and we didn't have at the time like GSAs. There was no place to put that. So I put it into my performance. And at Santa Cruz, there was this event called the Queer Fashion Show every year. It was this big like end of the year celebration. And my first year in college, I did this piece um, that I think you can still find on YouTube to the corn song Faggot. Um, which had become an anthem of mine. And I was in like dominatrix drag and I was whipping these eight football players and, and they were like screaming faggot at me and I was like whipping them until they tore their clothes off and they were only wearing jock straps with like AIDS ribbons on the cock and they started like <laughs> pretending to fuck each other on stage and I was like whipping them. And so it was like I kind of became a legend like really quickly. And yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. And, um, but then what, what happened was I think people started thinking that I was a drag queen. And because I, again, I didn't know, I didn't know what my container was. Uh, I was like, okay, so I'm like, maybe that's what I'm doing. And um, I don't even think at the time I even knew what transgender was. So I just drag was what, what I understood. But, um, but what it's like I said, what it started feeling like was like, oh, there's a time in which I can appear, um, you know, hyper feminine. And then what I felt left with um, was like a masculine body that I didn't know how to function in. And, um, and especially, uh, I remember like, um, I, the, my, the second year for the queer fashion show, I did this music video, um, that I think you'd also find on YouTube called let's get physical, which is Livy Newton John song that I like filmed at the school's rec center. And like, it was this big production number and it was spent like 18 hours in heels filming this thing. And afterwards I had these blisters on my feet from dancing in the shoes for like a full day of shooting that I kid you not is the entire ball of my foot was like one big blister Uh, and I had this idea of like I should create a book called drag and you just open it up and it's like all the strips of my like waxed back hair and foot blisters (laughs) you know um because it was like what am I doing to my body you know like I'm like I'm causing myself so much pain physically to provide some sort of levity and entertainment for people um and uh, and so I was wrestling with this, like, um, living my life as, like, a dude and then getting to manifest on occasion in this sort of hyper-feminine way. And, um, and then I was, I remember I was performing uh, at um, the, um, back in the day, there were, like, a few national queer conferences that you could go to if you were involved in, in LGBT organizing, there was, Glisten had, an, had, a, had a conference called Teaching Respect for All, and the National Gay and Lesbian Task Force had a conference called Creating Change, and the queer youth of the day were like on the conference circuit. Like I had a friend from DC and a friend from Boston and a friend from Texas, and like we would go to these things and like we developed GSAs and we taught administrators around the country how to do them and put them together in their schools. And um, at this event, at this conference, I uh, was performing, 
um, I was performing in like a vinyl nurse's outfit uh, to, um, oh man, I can't remember the name of the song right now, but it was epic. And, uh, and someone came forward and tried to put like a dollar bill in my, in my dress. And I was like aghast. Um, and I had like been to drag shows and seen that happen, but I had never been approached like that. And I always thought that I was sort of doing this agitprop transgender performance art, you know, which in my mind was really different than like drag, not to discount what drag is, but, um, in that moment when, uh, someone came up and tried to put money in my cleavage, I was like, something here is um, like is not adding up right i'm not in the this is not the right form for the way i want to uh achieve the integration that i was talking about earlier but also the expression and um and so i had to really rethink you know how i was going to move through the world and that's i think when i kind of made the decision that rather than having these two distinct manifestations of like the hyper feminine and then this sort of like lonely boy that I was going to have to figure out how to bring them together. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about times when I was able to like the time to appear and it was really only in Halloween and Purim. Mm-hmm. when I was like, okay. Purim. <laughs> that was my grogger. I was shaking a grogger. <laughs> yeah. I was like a Lula, but an yeah. <laughs> wrong. Okay. Um, so, uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, and I remember f- also in those moments, too, of really feeling so comfortable in dressing in this certain way, and then feeling the confusion around why do I feel so comfortable dressing like, and like being able to move through the world in this way that, f- that feels so good, but also I knew instinctively it was wrong. Right, wrong. Wrong, right. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And then, and then realizing, oh, and now I have to, you know, November 1st, go back to life. Yeah. And that's so hard. So hard, right? Yeah. And each time, for me, every time that I got to sort of manifest in an experience of fullness, I, it would be harder and harder to go back to, to being a boy for all intents and purposes. And, and what really, you know, as I said, I, I came out as trans at the turn of the century, but I didn't start medically transitioning for like tw- uh, 12 years. Um, and part of that was that I was had some internalized transphobia about like what my body would look like and whether or not that would be attractive. Uh, but also I, it was just scary. And mm-hmm. I also didn't have um, my family's blessing at the time, which was a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. But, um, but I would have these experiences of getting to show up in the world. I'd get, get to go to a party or, or, or an event and... Um, and every time would feel sort of closer to that aspirational goal and then shoved back in, you know, this uncomfortable skin. And so I just decided for myself that, um, that I wanted to reduce the duration between moments of manifestation. And that was my goal. It was like, okay, well, how can I um, spend more time becoming the woman I want to be and less time trapped as the man that I was maybe coming. And, um, yeah, it was a long, it took a long time, but, Mm -hmm. but it was about just like shortening the distance between those points of ecstasy. Mm -hmm. Points of ecstasy. (laughs) 
Yeah. That's real. It, it, it is yeah. real because it's very, people talk about um, gender dysphoria a lot. Maybe the cis folks in the room have heard that as a way of describing a trans experience with this sort of like a, the disembodied or, or feeling un at home in your body. Uh, but only in recent years have people started talking about gender euphoria, um, which is like actually the, the joy and of, of achieving harmony with your, with your body and your mind. Uh, and it's not, you know, afforded to trans or non-binary people very often. Um, and even, you know, I've, I've, for the most part, transitioned. I don't think the transitions ever really end, but like I've unlocked some major goals. And, mm -hmm. um, and still the experiences of those really euphoric experiences of like, whoa, this is what it's like to just be in it and feel like you're winning. Um, yeah, those can still be rare. Yeah, I remember the first time that I experienced gender euphoria, and it was, um, so I work at this nonprofit called Keshet, mm -hmm. um, and we uh, work with Jewish institutions on LGBTQ inclusion, and so we yeah. have these weekend retreats with teenagers, and it was the summertime Shabbaton at Capitol Camps, and... Um, Shabbaton. Shabbaton, a we oh, Shab Shabbat weekend. Okay. Um, it's and, like a sleepover and Shabbat at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and there was, we could swim and they have water slides and I'd had, I'd had top surgery, I think one or two years before that, but I'd had it in the summer. So, and then I had a revision in the summer. So I was never able to actually like be out with mm -hmm. my shirt off, um, or wear swim trunks. And so, um, I was really, really nervous, even though I was surrounded by um, incredibly supportive folks. Like, taking my shirt off and like getting into a swimming pool mm. in swim trunks. I was finally in the <clears throat> body. Like I felt was feeling that harmony. And I went, I was, they were all, all the teens were like, go down the water slide. And I was like, fine. So I go up and I, um, it was like probably three seconds, but it was the most euphoric three seconds I have ever felt because, you know, going down water slides before I was not feeling that harmony. I was in a bathing suit in a body that was not me. Mm -hmm. And finally being able to do that. Um, I cried afterwards, the kiddos all saying the Sheikh That's the second time that's come up. Oh, it's yeah. a prayer to like honor new and exciting, um, mm -hmm. moments in life. And, um, thank you God for blessing us, sustaining us and enabling us to reach this season. Thank you. Yeah. Well, man. that's what that prayer is. Cool. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <Yeah>. Also, Keshet's <laughs> hiring. Let's talk off, offline. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I um, that euphoric feeling is really incredible because the opposite is just devastating. Yeah. yeah. I actually have, I've not yet been to a water park mm. um, post em embarking on my transition. And I have a dream of um, going to that indoor one in Jersey that's like really huge in a two piece and then like losing my top. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like coming off and then being like, oh my, ah, ah. Just cause I remember seeing, seeing all those chicks that happened to when I was a teenager and being so jealous of their breasts. Um, bouncing in that chlorinated piss water. Amazing. <laughs> uh, let's go to the water park. Yeah, fuck yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. yeah. I'm like actually Trans takeover. serious. Yeah. Uh, we're doing it. Yep. Um, so I have a question about the Lakota ceremony sweat lodge. Mm -hmm. um, was Do you have it, a question about cultural appropriation? Because we can talk about. Yeah, it. that's a whole nother podcast. Yeah. Um, was that was that for like was it for people like of the trans experience? Was it you just were going to go to this? Tell, tell us. No, more. Um, it was um, a healing lodge that uh, 
a uh, woman who is not at all native had created in Santa Cruz. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but it was very special and well-intentioned, um, though um, in the years since, she's certainly been clocked for appropriating the ritual. Um, I was like, you know, um, 20 years old and I didn't really understand all of that at the time. But, um, but it was really, it was beautiful in that it was this sort of like interfaith, um, uh, you know, meeting of a lot of broken people who were coming together to heal themselves and others. Um, and she was really a, a blessed woman at holding that space. Um, and there were native folks who attended the lodge um, and, um, and really sort of mystical things happened there. Um, her land had like, she had like peacocks roaming around. Um, and, uh, it was, um, uh, at the time I, um, I would be a, a, uh, fire keeper and I would help keep the fire going and then bring the stones into the lodge on like this giant pitchfork. Um, and all these rocks are like ancient, um, pieces of the land that are um, believed to, you know, contain the wisdom of the ancestors. Um, and it was really a special time for me. I, I went um, every new moon for probably a year. Um, and uh, yeah, it was, it was a magical healing place that was, you know, full of problematics. And that's kind of like, you know, uh, the sort of... Um, joy and risk of of globalization and appropriation is that there's these that there's these really valid powerful rituals that are being made available to all of us whether you're practicing yoga or kabbalah um and at the same time they're being divorced from their source so uh we're all sort of in this kind of like uh um I want to say like schizophrenic, but then that's probably ableist. Um, but we're in this really chaotic time where um, we all desperately need spiritual healing. Um, we all need to be in touch with like the great unifying source. Um, but a lot of the roads that we were brought in with don't serve us anymore. And so we're all seeking new paths. Um, and the, I think the challenge is like how to uh, walk those paths that are not your own with honor to the folks who, who laid them. That is a great segue into... <laughs> um, I want to... It reminded me... <laughs> um, it reminds me, so I want to talk about transparent, and it, re it reminds me of the part where Ari is talking about if you leave your parents' house mm -hmm. and go into the world and do something different than what your parents taught you, that you'll be blessed. Mm -hmm. And that kind of just reminds me of, like, you know, forging your own path. Mm -hmm. um, so that was my segue. Uh -huh. uh, and that's the Lechelcha prayer. Yes. Um, curious. <laughs> We're making this very Jewish, and I'm here for it. Um, so you are, you were a writer and a producer, and you starred in it as well. Uh-huh. Guest starred, but sure. Yeah, I mean, you're like a star. Yeah, I'm kind of a star. Um, so let's just, yeah, that's, yeah. that's cool. Uh, transparent is, like, is so, so, so important to me, and um, I think to a lot of trans a lot people, of, a lot of people and a lot of people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, were you a fan of the show before 
bring it, uh, being brought on for the finale and curious how that all kind of like came together. Yeah, I mean, I was a fan of the show, but I, w- I of course, had a complicated relationship to it because of Mora. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I would binge it every season when it came out, like, right away. But I always um, felt frustrated by seeing that role be played by a cis man, and especially because I know trans women of a certain age who are also great actresses and just could have been doing that. Um, yeah, you know. Um, so, and I made those feelings known to the entire team uh, from the moment I joined the, the company. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was this really interesting dance where I was like, I, I can't necessarily say that I trust y'all, you know, but I'm coming here to try and right a wrong. Um, so for those of you who, who haven't seen it, the, the finale, um, it starts with Mora's death and then follows the family as they, they grieve their matriarch or one of the two matriarchs of that family. And I play um, a weed dealer who gets brought into the family as um, Judith Light's character, Shelly, is sort of spinning out uh, in a manic approach to um, process her grief. She decides she's going to create a show about the family and she casts me to play Mora in the play within the play. But then... Um, Ari, Gabby Hoffman's character, um, uh, goes on a, a really intense trip thanks to a tincture that I give them, and uh, they s- see me as Mora. And I, so in the movie, I, I get to appear as Mora for like a two-minute scene. But it was such a fucking victory, you know, to fill those shoes and to be there holding that space. And um, we recreate in a sort of drugged-out trippy, transparent way, a scene from the pilot, from the very first episode. So um, so it was very significant um, and really, really powerful and uh, not easy to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I've watched it twice this week oh, and cool. other times before, uh, so it's fresh in my mind. Um, yeah, it's such a powerful... I wonder, I'm... Like, I feel like I caught certain things that maybe, that maybe they spoke to me because I have experienced those... Like, I don't know if, and I'm curious if, like, I don't know, I don't even know, there's not a question. I just, like, I appreciated so much some of those, like, what people maybe think of as throwaway lines, but aren't, because they Mm -hmm. were really, really important. Like, there was one um, that was, like, the role of Ari Pfefferman was now, now, or is now being played by Ali Pfefferman, Mm -hmm. and it's, like, that idea of, um, we're putting on a show. Yeah. As trans, as closeted trans people. Yeah. And like, that's a role that we play. Like that really stuck out to me. I think also because that character is really the Jill Soloway in the story. And so Jill went, set out to create a TV show about their parent and their parents' transition. And in so doing realized their own non-binary gender identity. And then, allowed this character that was sort of their avatar to have the same journey so that to be ending that and creating a story like to be watching this thing come to an end that they had both created and had kind of created them was uh you know was really enmeshed the whole thing was really enmeshed um mm-hmm. but i don't think there's a single throwaway line in that in that movie because it's a show that ran for uh four seasons could have run for many more and rather than have a fifth season, we made a hundred minute movie. And so every second had to count in that. Yeah. I didn't mean like throw no, no, but, but yeah. I mean like maybe something that didn't like stick out right. to certain people. I don't know. Right. Yeah. But I think, yeah. I mean, in the writing of it, because we went through so many, so many drafts, um, I think it really, also what's so funny about the way that Jill Sully works, we went through so many drafts, but then like almost everything is improvised. Um, <laughs> but, uh, 
yeah, it, it was like beat by beat, we knew what had to be said in order to mm -hmm. put the show to bed and then make peace for these characters and then set the spirit free of this of this iconic trans woman, you know, who I think Mora like broke major ground. Jeffrey broke major ground playing her, won two Emmys, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so uh, yeah, she was really beloved internationally. It was really sad to see her go. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know, I said it before and I'll say it again. If, um, if the role had been cast with a trans woman from the jump, there wouldn't have been the issue of inappropriate sexual behavior on set, I'm just gonna venture to assume. So, yeah. you know, but I try to come from a place of forgiveness. And of course, I, I got a career opportunity of a lifetime because of all this shit that went down. So it's kind of, you know, like to be grateful and also it's sad. Yeah, totally. Um, I was, what struck me was how I feel like so many, uh, all of the characters grew so much. And they all, like, I don't know, at the beginning I felt like Shelly um, was still a little problematic in lots of, a, a lot of it. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and then um, just, like, not not getting Ari's name right and then also kind of, like, brushing it off, like, whatever, mm -hmm. whatever. And But then, you know, and then, of course, your boundaries, my trigger is, brilliant. like, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen it, you must watch it just for Judith Light's performance. This is stunning. She's a light. Yeah, literally. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it's fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that was a really big groan. <laughs> um, but I know it was from the heart. Um, I just, I don't know, I, I just really appreciated, okay, so another thing that I really appreciated was, um, and it's something, a theme that has come up in a lot of the episodes of the podcast, mm -hmm. is this, of the importance of listening. Mm. And just, and there's a line in Your Boundaries, My Trigger, was like, just listen. Or I think, I think um, Sarah is like, just Before listen. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I, um, my friend Lauren Patton is in um, Jagged Little Pill, and she has a line. Stunning. Oh, and you met her. Yes. Oh, I, yeah. oh, my God. Amazing. She's going to win a Tony. Yeah, she is. You heard it here first. Um, but she, and her, she has a line that says, does anyone hear me? And mm -hmm. at the end, like, Mary Jane. Oops. Never mind. But, um... I'm not going to spoil, spoil that. But anyways, the theme of like listening mm -hmm. keeps coming up. And it's just, it's so, it, I don't know why I get so floored by it every time it comes up of how important it is that we listen to each other. Yeah, because we like, we don't yeah. mostly, right, as a yeah. culture. Yeah. 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 And it's like everyone I talk to is like, can you just, like, let's talk about listening. Well, it's, uh, it's a skill, I think. Yeah. That, that actually, uh, you know, I, <laughs> because I did, um, all these like conflict resolution training and activist training when I was a teenager, uh, one of the things I had to do was active listening training, uh, which um, if you don't know, is, is a part of conflict resolution. Uh, and there's a whole sort of like rubric for how you should approach a difficult conversation. And, and if any of you have been in like a therapeutic process, maybe you're in like couples counseling or something, it's that idea of, um, let someone like speak the entire thought and then and then repeat back what you heard before moving on with your own response just to make sure that you've really captured the, that idea and it allows the person to to know that they've been heard or correct things that were misheard um and then they also talk about like make sure you nod a lot you know and maintain <laughs> eye contact um but uh so um so on one hand i like i think um 
I'm really grateful for having had that training. But also, um, on a more mystical level, um, there's a lot, there's many types of listening that we can be engaged in um, at any given moment. And um, it, it, in order to listen, you first have to slow down. Mm -hmm. And, you know, capitalism doesn't like that. You know, our culture thrives off, like, keeping work, make more money, spend more money, go faster, do more, talk louder, be seen. And so being able to take the step back and, and allow yourself to become receptive uh, really can open you up. I was just reading today um, some um, commentary on... Um, different types of contemplation. Um, and um, it was talked about, like, for example, um, something you should try, but maybe not on a New York sidewalk, is like walking half tempo and um, taking time on a normal route that you would walk anytime and just slow your roll and start to open up your senses to what you're hearing and, and sensing. And uh, there's just a lot of information uh, out there for you. And, you know, you can't really... I don't think that that we can discern our right next step without taking pause to receive that kind of information, whether that's in a conversation or in like your life planning. Yeah, I was listening. Mm. All right, that was supposed to be funnier, but that's cool. Um, so I I really want to talk about now um, manifest pussy. Yay! Um, so, tell us about what that is, and then I I watched like the little preview, and there's a line in there that I really want to talk about. Okay, but cool. Tell us what Manifest Pussy is. Sure, Manifest Pussy is um, a um, autobiographical rock odyssey, like Hedwig and the Angry Inch, only real, and <laughs> it follows my journey to Thailand for gender confirmation surgery. Um, punctuated by flashbacks to other formative moments in my spiritual and sexual and gender identity formation. Um, and it's told through kind of like stand-up comedy spoken word and a lot of really excellent songs that are written by some of today's most badass um, up-and-coming Broadway composers. Yeah. Can we cool ever show. see that? Or is it, are you going to bring it back ever? Um, yeah, I'll bring it back. You know, the thing is that I've self-produced it every time I've done it. Um, and it's really exhausting mm -hmm. and really expensive. And so I just finished doing it in L.A. and here in New York. Um, I actually put the show together. I did a solo show called One Woman Show that was like I was crowdfunding my gender confirmation. So I used this show to raise the money to go get a pussy. And then the recovery period for said pussy is like a full year. And I just needed something to like get through. So I decided to create a second show about that whole process called Post-Op. So I had these two shows, um, One Woman Show and Post-Op, and then when the first anti-trans bathroom bill was, pa was passed in North Carolina, I was like, I have to go down there. I have to go and just be there and be like a cheerleader for the people who, who need it. And so I put the shows together, and that's how Manifest Pussy was created. And um, right now, I'm, um, I keep saying this, and it keeps not happening because I just need more help, but I'm really trying to um, do a um, Battleground State tour of the show where I go to, um, there are currently 14 states that have pending anti-trans legislation uh, this year, uh, including laws like in um, uh, South Dakota that would uh, criminalize um, doctors who treat trans youth 
um, with, with a felony charge for putting uh, trans kids on puberty blockers, which is a life-saving, uh, proven life-saving technique. Medical research demonstrates this. So, um, so I kind of think of myself as like a one-woman USO tour. Um, and the reason why I haven't done it in New York is because like y'all don't need it. I mean, I would love to do it for you, but really the people who need it are the folks whose you know, uh, government are stripping their rights and protections away. Yeah. Well, I want to help you with that. So let's, yeah, let's also you. talk about the, that. The North Carolina trip cost like 10 grand and was done on a shoestring budget. So I, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna have to raise like $100,000 to make it all happen. But I was looking up and I can like, there's actually like on eBay, you can find like old like rock band tour buses for sale for like 20 grand. So I was like, okay, maybe I'll just buy this like rock band tour bus and like deck it out with like Manifest Pussy. I can like see it, you know? So, um, yeah, get ready because I'm sure there's going to be some sort of crowdfunding campaign in the near future. So, um, please just lubricate your wallets and I'll let you know when you need to slide it in. Nice. Um, so there's the a, line. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So the line was, you made me this way and now we're adapting. Oh yeah. Um, and that really struck me because I have been something that I've been like thinking about a lot and have struggled with is feeling like if God made me this way, then why did I need to change my body? And like, mm. am I a mistake? And, and like, just really grappling with like, with that. And like, why couldn't I just be content with what yeah. I was given? Mm -hmm. If that was the point, you know, like, yeah. you know, and, um, I'd had a conversation with another podcast guest and, um, she was talking about just, you know, that's part of the journey. That's like what God or the higher being or whatever laid out. Well, that's yeah. what she was saying for her. And I was like, that really f struck me too of like, I wouldn't be who I am if I didn't go through every single thing that I went through to get yeah. to this point. Yeah. I mean, I would say based on my belief system that like your soul knew what it was signing up for when it jumped into your body to begin with. So, mm. you know, that's always been part of the plan. Um, for me, I had a similar, you know, thought I, I'm a very spiritual person, obviously. And so when I first came out as trans, I was really afraid to change my body because I thought my body was like sacred and I shouldn't have to in order to achieve the happiness that I was stri striving to find. And, um, and this is actually backstage when I mentioned to you that I'm like a messianic Jew. Mm -hmm. um, the thing that sort of brought me to a Christian worldview was when I first moved to New York City, and I talk about this in Manifest Pussy, my favorite thing was seeing people read the Bible on the subway, because it's like so fucking devout. You know, they're just like out there on the subway reading the Bible. And I was like, I, I wanna be one of those people. So I went out and I bought a Bible at the Barnes and Noble at the Union Square, and I started reading it, but only on the subway, kind of performatively. Like I was like, this is very interesting. And then do you have those experiences where you're reading something and then like words actually come up off the page like they like hover above and bigger and bolder so i was reading um this passage in the gospel of matthew um chapter 19 verse 11 and 12 um which is um uh words of jesus saying not many of you can receive this saying only to those to whom it is given there are those who are born eunuchs in their mother's womb there are those who are made eunuchs by men and then there are those who make themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. Let the one who is able to receive it, receive it. And I was like, fuck, I'm a eunuch for the kingdom of heaven. And I just knew that was the confirmation, the spiritual confirmation that I needed. 
And, and it's funny because that, phrase, that, that passage was used for thousands of years, um, two to be exact, um, to, uh, <laughs> to insist upon uh, celibacy in the priesthood, which we all know what that led to. Um, and um, when in fact, you know, I think, it's a, I think that's a, a dangerous misread. And I, um, I, I, it, it, was, it was buttressed by the fact that um, soon after reading that, I was working out of town at a regional theater, and um, we were re- rehearsing at a church. And I was like, oh, I want to like go check out this church. And um, I went, and the pastor was speaking on the eunuch. There's another mention of the eunuch um, later in the New Testament where um, uh, I think... I don't know. One of the apostles is like reading, reading in his little chariot carriage around, you know, and um, and 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 he overhears a eunuch um, trying to interpret the gospel. So he goes up to the eunuch and he's like, oh, "Can I explain this to you, like my firsthand knowledge?" And um, and like blows the eunuch's mind. And then the eunuch is like, uh, "What's to prevent me from becoming baptized?" And said apostles like, "Nothing." And they pull over and in a puddle, like baptize the eunuch and um and you know back in judaism uh it's interesting because like in judaism we mutilate the genitals of male babies um as a form of legacy and tradition and uh but then um and that's seen as becoming a jewish man but also if you are a eunuch and you actually have your genitals like removed you're like seen as unclean and this was in the tribal society i don't know what they think there are different feelings about it now but um but so um eunuchs back in that time were not allowed to be in the temple so it was a very radical act to um embrace um a eunuch into a spiritual ritual a religious ritual um and so i wrote to the pastor of that church and i was like what is to prevent me from becoming baptized and he was like nothing and then we did Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And we did it while Fiddler on the Roof was rehearsing in the basement. Yes. And for some strange reason, my baptism was accidentally broadcast over the PA in the church basement while they were rehearsing Fiddler on the Roof. So there you go. It's the new world gold. Diddle, 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 dum. That's amazing. Oh, my goodness. I love that. Um, I want to have a Bart Mitzvah. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Totally. Because I feel like I kind of was ripped off at 12 and had a bat mitzvah, and I don't don't want that. I think that everyone who was made to feel like there's um, a hoop to jump through or a line to cross over in order to have a one-on-one relationship with the divine was ripped off. Yeah. So, yeah, have your fucking bat mitzvah. Yeah, y'all are invited. Yeah. I'm going to start studying Torah. Uh, and, um, I, cause I, I just loved back to the transparent just for a quick second, uh, but that I felt like when Josh got the Torah, it was such a radical act of love and just like, just, and that in coming from Josh was like, yeah. you know, just like that was gross. Yeah. That was and, a like, big spoiler alert, but oops. we're okay. Listen, it's yeah. been out since September. Yeah. Really like, get on with it folks. If you haven't seen <laughs> I like it. thought about it and I was like, you've had your time. I'll say watch. also that, um, just because I appreciate the canon of American musical theater and my own mentor, uh, is William Finn, um, who, uh, is the creator of the March of the Falsettos in Falsetto land, um, which, um, ends Falsettos ends with, um, a bar mitzvah 
um, that couldn't happen otherwise. I don't know if you all know the show, Falsettos. It's an incredible show written um, about uh, AIDS in the 80s and this like uh, Jewish family where the father has come out as gay and they're all kind of wrestling with it. And the father's lover is dying and the um, son, Jason, doesn't want to have a bar mitzvah, but they decide um, to cancel the bar mitzvah, to like disinvite the guests and whatever. And then the, the close family come together and they have the bar mitzvah in the at bedside in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think the decision to make that the uh, end result of the movie is kind of an homage to that, uh, you know, uh, Easter egg in the American musical theater canon. Mm. Yeah. Neat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Trivia. Uh, yeah. Now you could be like, I know where they came up with that idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't want to do this, but I have to move us into our last segment. Oh, okay. I know, but we'll just have to have another yeah, sure. round of interview. Yeah. Um, so this is our rapid fire. Oh, shit. Okay. So um, it's really easy. It's just I'm going to read you some things and just mm -hmm. answer as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. There are no wrong answers except one. Okay. Uh -oh. uh, you'll know it when it happens. Oh, shit. Um, okay. <clears throat> <coughs> Pencil or pen? Uh, pen. Acting or singing? Singing. Dogs or cats? Dogs. Beach or mountains? <laughs> Santa Cruz. Great. <laughs> Banana slugs. Um, meat or veggies? Uh, veggies. Bagels or donuts? Bagels. Yeah. Oh, that was it. Yay. Good job. Uh, train or plane? Uh, uh, train. Sweet or salty? Sweet. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Night or day? <gasps> Night. Favorite kitchen item or utensil? Salad spinner. Ooh, nice. I don't have one, but I've always, that's like a sign of wealth to me. <laughs> um, this has been so lovely. Likewise, a pleasure. Yeah. Thanks for having me. My, so great hanging yeah. out with all of you. Um, <laughs> we did it. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Want to tell us your social media? How can folks follow oh, you? Yeah. How can we support you when you put out your campaign to buy a rock band? Fuck yeah. Um, um, I'm Shakeens on everything. S-H-A-K-E-E-N-Z on Twitter and Insta and like Facebook and Venmo. So Shakeens, you can find me anywhere. Yeah. Amazing. Cool. Thank Thanks you so, so much. much. That's awesome. I'm going to give you another hug. Yeah. I'll be on stage. Yeah. Okay, just okay. I don't know if you can see, but I'm shaking. Um, hold on, I gotta look at my note card. I'm so nervous. Oh my god, I threw away my running order because I was like, I got this. These are my thank yous. No, I know it's next. Um, one more time for Shakina, everybody. So I am so so excited to introduce our final act of the evening. Um, these are uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, and um, uh, you may recognize them um, from the show Orange Is the New Black. Uh, they were yes, I, I didn't tell you who they were yet. But um, they uh, were. <laughs> thank you for laughing so hard. Um, you are like your sister. <laughs>, laughs at everything I say. Um, and I'm distracted. These two people are awesome, and they were a guest. Uh, they were guests on the first season of the Thank You for Coming Out podcast. And then I also ran into them um, in the Austin airport randomly, and we uh, hung out and drank together, and that was really fun and neat and cool. Uh, so now you know about that. Uh, put your hands together for Vicky Martinez and Emily Tarver. <laughs>
Hi. Ooh. It's just unplugged. It's like a cell phone. We're going to sing a song for you. We um, we met on Orange is the New Black. Obviously, we're famous. Um, you get it. I'm a guard. She was an inmate. Um, we fell in love. She moved in eight minutes later. It's been two years, and we write songs together, and we were very grateful to be guests on her, the podcast. Thank you for coming out. And we're very grateful to be here tonight for you guys. So thanks for showing up. We met, uh, well, I fell in love with her because of mustard. She did. She was like, I want a hot dog, but not with that New York mustard. I want that yellow mustard. And I was like, you talk about that French's? And then that was it. She moved in. It's her love story, sponsored by mustard. I love everything about you.
to our show. Oh, oh. Um, I'll no. stand in the corner. It's so we're going to do, uh, so uh, in the episode that you all were in, we did the rapid fire, and I changed some of the rapid fire questions. So we're going to do a redo. Oh. Great. I'm ready. That means my answers sucked before, right? Nope. It just means maybe you evolved. Well, yeah, I might have uh, changed. Maybe you um, changed your mind. All of our valid. Ready? I'm so Quick gay. as possible. I'm ready. Pencil or pen? Pen. Pen. You can uh, say. You're right. That was a good. That was a good question because um, <laughs> I I'm I'm into those pencils that are like yellow. But they're mechanical. But they're like a number two. No, it's, it's like the yellow the, it one. It's supposed to be rapid. But they, but you <laughs> yeah. you spin it. Yeah, I know. But you spin it real fast, and then then and, it, and the and the. Little pen, the pencil thingy stick comes out, and it's yellow. A dreidel, it, and it, it kind of has like hy- hydraulics on it. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's what I like. I, Go, that's next good. question. Okay. Okay. So this is um, this game is rapid fire. Got it. And it's as sorry. quickly as possible. Yeah, sorry. Got, yeah. It. Okay. got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. I love Thanks, the commentary. Dubs. I love it. Acting or singing? Acting. I like singing. Actually, that was a stupid answer. <laughs> I mean, I want. You don't have act. to explain yourself because. We don't. Yeah, go. Okay, Next. dogs or cats? Dogs. dogs. Beach or mountains? Beach. Mm. Beach. <laughs> Meat or veggies? Meat. Meats. <laughs> I like a good kale and what it comes. What happens? It, yeah, with again, it. it's. But I like meat. Rapid fire. I just you don't, don't have like to explain. Go ahead, Dubs. Go, go ahead, Dubs. Right. Question. Bagels or donuts? Bags. Bagels. Bags. Is that it? No. Uh, oh, no, I mean, that's the right answer. Uh, train or plain? Train. Plain. Plain. <laughs> plain. <laughs> Sweet or salty? Sweet. Salty. <laughs> Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Pepsi. Really? Yeah, I don't know. I mean. I've evolved. Uh, night or day? Night. night. And favorite kitchen item? I just got Forks. this new um, <laughs> spaghetti strainer that looks like an alien. Cool. So that. And we also got a new um, garlic instant pot thing, a garlic thing that like cuts up your garlic and it looks like a vampire because vampires can't have garlic and that's why it's cute. That was the end of the questions. That was the end. One more time for these y- these y'all. Thank you for having us. Big hands up for Doug. Oh. Doug rocked. 
Thank you so much. Bye. Good job, Doug. Thanks. You too. All right. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, one more time for everybody, including yourselves. We have 11 minutes to spare. Paula, are you so happy? All right, we got the thumbs up from the booth. Um, I want to make sure I thank everyone, so I wrote it down. Um, so I'll just read the <laughs> thank yous. Thank you to Shakina and Emily and Vicky and Jay and Jody and Caveat Theater for having us and Paula in the booth. Um, I want to thank Gay City News. Uh, for producing the podcast. It's like been so lovely to have them backing this um, show. So Gay City News, thank you. Um, New Alternatives. Um, thank you so much for all the work that you do. Um, I just am so grateful for everything that you all do for the LGBTQ community. Um, I already said that. My family. Yeah. My friends. Uh, Jess Ann, who is selling Thank You For Coming Out swag here in the corner, uh, and is also my other co-producer um, who helps me produce the live improv shows. I could not do it without her. So one more time for Jess Ann. Um, to all of the podcast listeners and to the guests. We have a lot of season one guests here, so you are, you are among famous people. Um, and then I finally am finally, oops, wait, like, oh, okay, that's a note from Bobby. Uh, I want to thank Bobby. Bobby is uh, my co-producer for the podcast. Uh, one, one time for Bobby. I don't know. <laughs> uh, Bobby has, uh, so he's in the studio with me every interview and is just such a, a beam of light and such a support and um, also was with me on every step of my name change somehow. Um, just randomly, he didn't like go with me ever to the court or anything, but he was always there. I don't know, it was awesome. Um, and very meaningful. <laughs> um, Bobby, will you come out here so I can hug you? Yeah. All right, me, oh, there he's coming, he's coming. Ah. Thank you, and look, we're twins, and we didn't mean to. That's how in sync we are. Um, and so uh, those are all, the I think those are all the thank yous. If I forgot you, I'm sorry. Um, but also make sure you like and subscribe and share and rate and review. I think those are all the things, the podcast, because uh, that stuff really helps us um, get boosted into folks who haven't heard about us yet. Um, so thank you again so much for being here. Thank I'm just so appreciative. Um, feel free to buy some more drinks and use the potty. And... Um, Sorry. And uh, <laughs> bye. Thank you for coming out, swag, and new alternative swag. And give me a hug. You have my consent. Good night. Yeah.